This is Books, Beats, and Beyond, where we will bring you provocative music and engaging interviews from music artists, authors, historians, and others barely acknowledged by the mainstream media. I'll be your host, Taj. Today, I'm talking with author Uam Akpan about his critically acclaimed book of short stories called Say You're One of Them. Say You're One of Them has won many accolades and awards. It won the Commonwealth Writers' Prize, the Penn Open Book Award, and was picked by the Ophel Renfrey Book Club in 2009. USA Today said it's brilliant. Say You're One of Them proves that great fiction often can reveal more truth than a whole shelf of memoirs and histories. The Wall Street Journal said these stories are shocking as well as they are delicate. Old Magazine said it's amazing and moving and imbued with a powerful moral courage. Akpan wants you to see and feel Africa, its glory and its pain. And you do which makes this an extraordinary book. And finally, Essence said, it's a stunning short story collection. Say You're One of Them offers a richer, more nuanced view of Africa than the one we are often seeing on the news. Akpan never lets us forget that the resilient youngsters caught up in these extraordinary circumstances are filled with our own hopes and dreams, and even as he assuredly illuminates the harsh realities. With that said, Uamakpan, welcome to Books, Beats, and Beyond. Thank you, Taj. Thank you. So we're going to get right into it. I was wondering, why did you write this book? Uh, because I wanted to talk about things that touch me, things that are close to my heart, and um, the situation of uh, children generally, and um, how they are caught up in the difficult situations of life. And I wanted to say something about this from their perspective, you know, the promises, the the sweetness of these children, the you know, their their loveliness, their mischief, their just being children, you know, something we all know about, no matter where you grow up with that yeah, yeah I, that that makes sense so so why did you focus on children as the main characters what is it about children well most times we hear about these issues we hear them from the adults uh, perspective mm-hmm. okay you know when you think about katrina you know the disaster that was new orleans some years back um, you see children going through, you know, that tragedy. You see, you see the parents trying to help them. Um, but I would say, I was saying to myself, even that when that was going on, what is going on in the minds of these eighty-year-old children, ten-year-olds? as they see this flood rising, as they see these bodies bobbing in the floods, 
um, what's going through their minds, not what will go through their minds when they are 40. Mm. But at that material time, how are they processing this? Mm. And I know that it's very difficult to interview children without their parents. Mm. Um, but the fact that their parents are even there limits what they can say. Mm. And so I wanted that raw, unfiltered access to the mind of children as they go through you know, this stuff. So how were you able to write from their perspective of a child so authentically? How were you able to do that? Um, first of all, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, I had to work at that to try to get it right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my stories took long to write. Like I was telling you a few moments ago that my Rwandese story took like five years, right. you know. And of course, I went to writing school and uh, my teachers at Michigan were very effective in telling me back then, hey, listen, this character cannot sound like a 10-year-old in this passage. Oh. And two passages down sounds like a 50-year-old philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it... You know, you gotta keep it in one one voice, one perspective. Forget about trying to explain stuff to the reader. You know, let the child see, and let the child say what you know she sees. Look for other ways to bring in the other, you know, um, perspectives. Uh, so that's what I tried. I developed. I learned. I grew in doing. Uh, so, it, you know, it took a lot of work, but I think I had some gift, you know, from which, you know, to, to, to launch myself. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, what, what do these stories tell us about what we can learn from children? Um, every childhood is sacred and full of promise um, at what point do those promises collapse in this country in this great country of America uh, a black child is the same as a white child mm -hmm. In fact, if you put two of them together, they don't realize what race and class and divisions are until they're old enough for the culture to teach them this. Mm. Okay. So at what point does that black child begin to feel that black lives don't matter? Mm. Now you see. And at what point does that white kid begin to feel some sense of entitlement? Okay. Now, people have read my work from other parts of the continent, a part of the world, and they say to me, we could feel these children 
not because we understand the sociopolitical contexts they live in, but because our children would react this way. Mm. They're full of love and vitality and questions and yeah, occasional mischief and children are children. Uh, they'll believe until they can't believe anymore. So they were. It shocked me at a point that they could connect that deeply with the, you know, with the characters, and that's what I want people to, you know, that's how I like people to react to my characters because we are all the same, you know, uh, worldwide. So the bigger question is, at what point? Do people now say, you know, these black people mm-hmm. are this, are that, or these white people are this, you know, that. So we can always go back to our childhood where there was no judgment, where everyone was accepted. Childhood can do that for you, which is why Christmas is a very important celebration. And a lot of people are able to connect with Christmas. You know, whether they're Christians or not Christians, I'm not saying they say Merry Christmas or stuff like that. But they can think about, I was once a child. Mm. Even in the Christian faith, Easter is more difficult to deal with. Because it's about death. And most nobody has encountered it yet. (laughs) You know, so there's something about children that is so universal and since those who talk about children are already alive and have gone beyond childhood, they can have that holy innocence. Um, so, so for me, this was important to, if you want to put it in terms of moral terms, you would say, at what point does this grace, you know, meet up with these sins, mm-hmm. you know, the, the interplay between grace. And, and sin and, and, and what do we do, you know, uh, with this? Wow, yeah. Uh. Uh. Now you got that one homie that always call you just to check on you. King, what up, nigga? Well, I guess that's me. Uh. Stuck on corners and lost in circles. I know you trapping, just trapped in that shit that often hurts you. Stumbling blocks. Running blocks with odds the hurdle to dodge law, but God is law, awesome virtue. Uh, seen phenoms fade out like fiends. Nas laid out on his mama front, cause his daddy never had his back. Always talking about how his mama front, now that's played out. You all who you're made of, all makeup, don't make out. Bellies full of takeout, mouths full of foul words, but never put the hours in to get hours. Hours curse us, reverse ourselves as cowards. Verse us, but we verse ourselves, uh. War ain't colorblind, but love is. And medicine isn't healing, but a hug is. And smiles don't last forever, but forever is. A mighty long time, if you never smile, you never live, God. Money war. If heaven free, what we kill for money for? They say when it rains, it pours. But it rain on the poor. So you ain't really rich. If what's rich ain't in your court. Real shit, nigga, God. Well, now we're going to kind of talk about the just different parts of each of the stories. Uh, The first one we're going to talk about is an Xmas feast. It's about a young boy living on the streets of Nairobi with his family. How did you come up with this story? 
Well, I went to live in Nairobi for three years, and um, back then there were lots of street kids, you know. Um, but we could no longer see them. And they could no longer see us. Because, you know, they're all over the place. Some of them could be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So people learn how to go about their business without noticing them. How did most of them become street kids? Mm, yeah. Um, you know, socio-political situations, mm -hmm. things are so rough mm -hmm. at home in the slums. So they, you know, they run away from the slums and they are, they think their chances are better in the city. Mm. It's like people who become gang members in your country, in the big cities of the U.S. Mm. Why are they gang members? Right. You know, because they think if they can pull together, this is better than where they came, you know, where they came from. So every country has this, you know, this uh, element. Anyway, um, so I was watching all of this. And uh, I said to myself, what to do would be to, to show that these people are capable, these street kids are capable of some kind of love in their group. Like gang members, they are very committed to each other. Right. But they'll take the outsider down without thinking because mm -hmm. you're a threat to, you know, to them. Yeah. And so people learn to not to be friendly towards gangs mm -hmm. because, you know, they see you in a particular way. You see them in a particular way. So I was like, I need to explore this love among them. How were you able to get close to them enough to explore that? Um, many ways. I, I used to talk to some of them. And I knew this boy who I don't know how he was able to keep his innocence in the midst of very difficult uh, circumstances. I, you know, whenever the street kids will come to you, they'll give me money, you know, brother, give me money, money, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And um, if you give them the money, they'll just run away to buy bread, and I mean, they're hungry, you understand right. this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the shocking thing was, there was this other, this boy who, if he came to you or said to you, how are you? Have you heard from home? Mm -hmm. Meaning, have you, I'm from Nigeria. So mm -hmm. this is someone in Kenya asking me, have you heard from Nigeria? Right. And for some reason, he was able to be above all of, all of this. I mean, I have no reason to judge those who asked for money because you could see they, they, they were really hungry. Mm -hmm. But even more, I was shocked by this one who could just, you know, how are you? You know, the, situa the situation was so bizarre that if you wanted to give them money and you say, whom should I give this money to? Who would share this money equally to them? They said, give it to this boy. Oh, wow. And he would take the money and share with them, you know. So I was always touched by his situation. Mm. How does he exist or survive or live? Above all of this, he's managed to maintain his humanity in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. um, and then I traveled one time and came back, and he was gone. Mm -hmm. 
and my heart was broken. And I said to the other boys, where is he? They said, he's gone deep into the city center to be a real gang member, a real oh. street boy. Mm. So I would walk around the city center some Saturdays with the hope that I might see him. Because the kids in the city center, the gangs in the city center, the street boys, street kids in the city center, they're wilder. Mm. You know, mm. these the people I was dealing with were on the fringes of the center, and I was never able to see him. So I, I started writing. Um, I could say something about these street children, and I just kept thinking I could do it. I could do it. Mm. This would be, this would be something to do. It's worth. You know, doing and you I pushed and pushed and pushed. It came together. Wow! So I was wondering, why did you choose Christmas as the backdrop to this story? Because Christmas is about children. <laughs> it's always about. It's like, you know, when you should have decent food mm-hmm. and gifts and families coming together. You know, it's a it's celebration time, and in many cultures, it comes during holidays. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I'm always looking for a way to juxtapose, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. things. So how would people like this celebrate Christmas? Even Christmas, uh, what does it mean to, to you know, for street kids to celebrate mm-hmm. you know, Christmas like this? And if you read this story, you'll see that I've also made you see that. There are skyscrapers in Nairobi. Right. You know, you have decent restaurants. Mm. You have good roads. You have smart cars. You have people doing well, you know. So what does it mean to now live like this for these people? Right. And, I mean, w- w- just based on what you just said, it does make sense why you use Christmas because it's a time of joy yeah, but juxtaposes what his family was going through mm-hmm. just to make sure they had some kind of sense of joy yeah, yeah. during that uh, that time. Yeah. Just showed you the struggle they had to go through. I got what you need. Spread the love for me. I got what you need. Spread the love for me. Now I'm all alone without you here. If 
if it ain't jail, it's a funeral home. A nigga dread this stuff. Yeah. So much hate, I gotta spread this love to my people. The ones that's tired of being broke. See, I done lost my cousin, I done lost my bros. I've been putting plays together with old to get the dough. Radio won't play this shit no more. The DJ's gon' say to switch the flow. Add more bars, rap about trap, maybe open it up. Fuck that, man, your minds ain't open enough, nigga. Your hustlers trying to make a way. Something that really stood out, and readers are probably see it too, is that the entire family sniffs glue. Can, mm-hmm. can you can you talk about why they sniff glue? Yeah, a lot of kids, you know, sniff glue. In the third world, I would say, uh, because the glue makes you not to feel the hunger. Mm. So they 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 don't have money for food. It's like is 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 kind of a drug for them. Mm-hmm. If they sniff this glue, they're high, and they don't feel the hunger. They may not even feel the you know the cold. So this is what they you know you know what they what they do. What shocked me was I was invited to a conference in Washington D.C. <laughs> I got there and people came from all over the world to talk about these kinds of you know drugs uh <laughs> scientists and sociologists and social workers and all kinds of people came together and i realized that in, st- in the streets of america people are sniffing glue too yeah, right. you know and uh, i was at the university of michigan then in annabelle and someone came from annabelle you know, to say, look, this thing is happening in Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, people came from Sweden, people came from Canada, people came from Japan, everywhere, Sweden. You know, Norway, I, I was like, oh, I see. Um, and this, you know, the, you know, somebody from Canada said, look, sometimes the kids there are sniffing, you know, sniff, sniffing petrol. Mm-hmm. And the police is not allowed to stop that until they catch fire. Wow. Because it's not illegal to sniff petrol. <laughs> you see how bizarre right. this is? Yeah, yeah. It's not illegal to sniff petrol. You know? So that sniffing petrol, the police, you know, is working within the laws yeah. of the land. They have to wait till they catch fire. And wow. then they, you know, so so this stuff is every is you know is everywhere, and how do you get the media to cover this? The media, you know, would rather cover cocaine abuse, mm-hmm. you know, and what they would term serious, you know, crime, you know. So, so I was watching all of this in Nairobi, and I'm, hmm, wow. How do you, you know? So, so again, for me, the more difficult task was if I'm writing in the first person, mm-hmm. how do I get it right? Right. You know, and I had to look for those, you know, for, 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 for folks who had been street kids before. I said, okay, when you pull, when you suck this glue, mm-hmm. how does it feel on your tongue? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. I would ask people for those details is like smoking a cigarette mm. you know 
and I've tried cigarettes before, so I have a sense. You know, uh, what? So, so I try to make sure I get, you know, these details. And I try to say, because if you write in the first person, and if your fiction is going to be strong, the reader wants to know that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 You know, and uh, I, I think the thing that was hard for me, and I caught myself at a, at a, at a sense kind of judging until I read more, was that the mom would give it to their kids. And I was like, wow, she's having them sniff glue. Mm-hmm. But they're hungry. Mm-hmm. What else is there to do? You know, mm-hmm. it's not like she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. She has to. And that was just powerful mm-hmm. part of the story for me as well. Yeah, it's complex because when you look at life, if a parent is into drugs, alcohol, what are the chances that they will not initiate the kids? Mm. You know, what happened to Whitney's daughter? Right. See, that's even in an affluent society. Mm. You know, if this mother has nothing and is thinking, thinking my daughter is hungry, my son is hungry, what is she going to, going to do? Again, I try to to get people away from judgments in the way I, that's what I hope my writing will do that you can see these people as you know you can see them first before you judge yeah. before you judge them you know so I try to write in in a way that gets you to to make sure they're not aware of you. They're just living their lives. Mm. And you you are looking at this, you have this privileged access to, you know, what they're doing. They're not aware of your presence. They're just living their, you know, their yeah. lives. You did, a, you did an incredible job with that. And, and, and it seems, just reading all your stories, that there is a deeper meaning. And I was trying to, understand with Xmas Feast, what is the deeper meaning you're trying to tell the reader? It's difficult for me to you know, to say this. Because mm. for the writer, you work with certain assumptions. But there's always something called excess of meaning. Mm. Uh, and I say this because when the story first came out in the New Yorker was in Milwaukee and this old lady who was like in her 70s uh, was discussing the story with me and she said to me she was most sympathetic to the father oh. I wanted to kill her because <laughs> all along I was like no, <laughs> no you're a woman, you should Care for the girl, the mother, this mm-hmm. asshole of a family is just <laughs> abusing these women. And she fought back. Wow. She fought back so fiercely that I backed off so I could hear her. Uh-huh. And she said to me, Look, listen, you may be the writer of this story, but let me tell you my story. Uh-huh. My father was an alcoholic. Mm. And, she, and he abused my mom and abused me. And all he did was drink and drink. 
And sometimes he felt he was losing control of the family, which led to more abuse because he wanted to still say, I'm the head of the family. And, the, and this old woman was saying, it took me years to understand this and forgive my father. And so when I read this story, that's where I connected the most. So from that point on, I stopped putting my interpretations out there. I let people read and take what they can take. People understand stories basically from what they know, mm -hmm. what you know, where they have come, where they've come from. So it's enough for me to say, you know, children, the innocence of children, you know, the, the innocence we need to return to, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it's like that for people. It's like that for, for countries, mm -hmm. you know. So let's go back to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go back to, to it being inclusive. What did this, you know, to the innocence that birthed particular situation right. or, or, people, or people. So, uh, you know, people will take what they will, you know, what they'll take from. That, no, that's, that's, that's very interesting because that, that does make sense because there's so many different characters and twists within that story. Mm -hmm. And there's that, like you said, depending on who the reader is, they're going to pull out something that's going to make sense to them. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, you get to see that as the, the innocence of children can really help pull out those emotions. And, and, and I think that's what was, was really helped me connect yeah. to that story. I mean, look at the fact that the girl has to go to school. The mm -hmm. boy has to go to school. Mm -hmm. But once the boy realizes the girl is sacrificing so much yeah. and has to become a prostitute, yeah. he revolts. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, I don't want this anymore. And who would have thought the mother right. and the daughter would reconcile? Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, these things happen you know, to people. You can be at your workplace or even in your family and you try all your life to connect with a particular person and you are not able. Right. Every move you make is interpreted in a negative <laughs> light. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you are lucky, someday it clicks mm -hmm. and two of you become best friends. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but why could we not connect before? <laughs> you know, these things are possible in, yeah. in even the most, uh, in, the, in the most stable of situations. Uh, and what it, yo, what it sound like? And what it sound like? Rocking the planet, stopping the payment, always stuck in the jam. It's raw tan, it wasn't all for the hand, there's no plan. So I focus on perfecting my rap. Years later, I was chasing some cash and time lapse, and I crashed, and I found myself back where I started. It was far from a loss, I found myself in the process of transforming to a god. A real true poet, without an opponent, out of my face, you a phony homie. Nah, I'm not throwing in nothing, you keep your money, man, I'm keeping it coming. Your furnace streams, you burning, you keep. We take our pennies, slip them out in the cream, and hide 
way in the mountains, I move a mountain with my bank. I hope will swing the balance in your favor, man, it's just another motherfucking deck. A day in the life, and yo, we praying for the prey before we get on the mic. And you don't handle it right, but yo, you're dancing this tight, I gotta hand it to you. Shit, the beat was cool, but the rapper was average, my dude. I'm a savage when attacking these loops. I'm packing the troops. The shit is out, and the shit is out for... Some people, the point arrives where they realize, I have suffered enough. And that, for example, is the case with almost all the people who come to a retreat. If you ask them, they've all had their share of human suffering. I swear, Grandma, be the only person really care about me, so until the day she passes... So, one of the other stories was called Fattening for Gabon. It's a story about a brother and sister coping with the attempt to be sold into slavery by their uncle. Where did you get this story from? How did how did this come to, come a bit come to be? Yeah, I know that you know you have trafficking, mm-hmm. human trafficking in the world, um, and I was always asking myself, how do you traffic people? That's smart. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> and then I realized that a lot of the women who are being trafficked for prostitution, they're not children. Some of them are in their 20s and 30s. But someone comes around and says, if you can get to Europe, if you can get to America, you're going to have a great life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna, you, have to, you are going to be... You know, a nanny, you're going to get a job. And they fall for this. And they arrive, and they're chained in a room, and things happen to them. They're trapped. Okay. So if this could happen to adults, what about children? Right. So I, I, I started saying, okay, let me go through the the possibilities, the processes that could make a child, you know, want to do this or is excited about this. You know, food always excites children. Mm-hmm. And not just children. Do you know any big celebration without food? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're talking Christmas, mm-hmm. you're talking food and drinks. <laughs> You know, if you're talking at the end of Ramadan, right. food and drink. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're talking the the the, the Catholic mass, mm-hmm. you know, the bread and the wine. Mm-hmm. You know, food is so central to who we you know to who we are. So it's not beyond reason for your child to, at a very tender age, begin to be addicted to chocolate, chocolate, mm-hmm. chocolate, chocolate, <laughs> and fruit mm-hmm. juice. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, it made sense to build it around food, and then simple things like you'll go to school. Most children want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Go to school. So I was playing with this and trying to build, you know, the story forward. You know, and and it it came to you know. It came together. How is this even possible? Mm-hmm. And where children are concerned, you have to work extra hard yeah. because they can spill the beans right. mm-hmm. <laughs> and, say, mm-hmm. and say, this is what my dad said. Right. So, yeah, so. I, you know, it, not only was I just 
being able to understand what the children were thinking, how some would feel jealous that they were getting more sympathy and attention from the people yeah. that were claiming that we were going to take care of you, but they really weren't. Yeah. But even even further was the uncle just thinking, how could you do this to your own flesh and blood? Yeah, yeah. And then later on, he coming to realize that, you know, this is wrong. But yeah, just, yeah. just that that just that whole evolution yeah. of the adult who's participating in that coming turning around was actually um, just incredible as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, parents have been known to do incredible things to, you know, to children. Parents rape their children, even in your country. Uh, sometimes the, the, the child does not even know what's happening until it gets to a point where she's aware or yeah. he's aware. Um, so these things, these things, uh, you know, these things are, are possible, you know, um, people disappear, other people's, uh, children, mm -hmm. uh, even in very advanced uh, societies. And so the uncle thought I could make money, uh, but when he turns around and says, I can't go on with this anymore. Mm -hmm. And with the children, he tries to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And he's not, he's, not, he's not able. But you know, at every turn, you could see what the children were, and how they were thinking. Mm -hmm. you, know, you could see that the, the, the narrator, as soon as this little kid understood Yes. What this was about, he went into rebellion mode. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, children are capable of, you know, are capable of this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the ending of the story just unnerved me. I, I just want to understand from, from you, how hard is it to write something so unsettling? Like, how, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? It's, <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Uh, it's it's one of it's one story I kept running away from continuing. Mm. Yeah, I would write, I would get away, I'd come back, and I I didn't know how it would end until I got within like five pages oh, wow. to the end, and it, it finally dawned on me that I just felt this would be the best way to end this story yeah uh i i literally had to put the book down for about a week i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it, w it was it was you know because i don't want to give the story away but you're just rooting for certain characters and yeah yeah and you're just amazed that wow that that, that that's that's what happens you know it i was just thinking i i couldn't write that because how can i how would i be able to write that what what, what do you have to go through? So you explained it right there. You had to put it put it away for a minute, think about it, because it's not an easy task. Yeah, yeah. Again, I I I work hard to get you to to love the characters. Mm -hmm. I work hard to 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 make the characters complex because human beings are complex. Right. Uh and so you get to really love the children, you love their innocence, you, because you were once a child and mm -hmm. you knew how vulnerable yeah. you know you are. Yeah. 
So, and again, I make, I put you in a situation where you know what's going on, but the children do not know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And they'll catch up later. So, so it's like you are walking on this road. There are children behind you. It's a dangerous road. You know it's dangerous. They don't know. You're constantly looking behind to say, are they, are they there? Are they still there? When are they going to, when, I, when can I save them? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you get to that point where the children are aware and they react the way you think they should. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they revolt against this evil. And so you are with the children. And, you know, it was very, again, you don't sit, I don't, sometimes it's not very clear to me Mm. what I'm going to say or where I'm going to push this story. You know, but the, you know, again, you, you have to work with what makes this particular story functional. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, for example, my publisher was thinking, my editor was thinking, you know, when let's shorten, you know, that, you know, that long passage you know when the motorcycle when the um the race the the motorbike race oh, yeah, happens yeah. and mm-hmm. they crash and they are rearrested and mm-hmm. they're brought back you know to the house you see they're in that darkness for a long time yeah and they've never been in something like that before so you know my editor was saying let's shorten this let's oh, shorten no, this no. please let's yeah. shorten this mm-hmm. and i explained to to you know to her that if we shorten it it will not work because the new guard and the children they need time to build right. to rebuild trust so that the children can actually escape. Yeah. You know, so so it's not just that darkness. Right. It's something that goes the spine of the story. Yes. That you need, you know, give them a few days. Yeah. To rebuild that trust, because what happened was so big, yes. And these <laughs> these traffickers, they are ruthless people. Mm-hmm. Okay, they are ruthless people. You know, uh, so 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 she saw what I was trying to do, and said, "Okay, yeah, all right, this makes sense." But once I needed to create those three days, or whatever number of days, what was I gonna do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's so, so. How would they rebuild this trust? How are they living in that place daily? Yeah. Okay. And again, it would have to be a brother rooting for a sister, siblings trying to work it out in this darkness. Mm-hmm. And you know, so so uh, so as you as I thought about all of this, very slowly you begin to see this is actually plausible. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I th- I thought it was incredible because. During that moment, you, you got to see the boy really understand the situation, mm-hmm. really understand, build a little bit of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And he was understanding, okay, I know what they want to do with me, but I'm going to play along so I can befriend this person. Even get, in the midst of the uncle's yes, murder. Yes. That's incredible strength mm-hmm. for a child to, you know, mm-hmm. to say, okay. 
the only way we can get out of this mm-hmm. is if I they're going to kill him. I've forgiven him. They're going to kill him. And and it's a pity he couldn't still save the sister. I know. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but it's an incredible story. An old woman can sit. An old man can sit. A chump can sit. A coward can sit. Anything can sit. Well, you and I have been sitting long enough, and it's time today for us to start doing some standing and some fighting to back that up. Yeah, cut a classics. Freedom of speech to the unchained mind. Three fifths of human beings to the untrained eye. Negroes with a purpose, rise above the surface. Jesus came back, skipped all of the churches. Reread the Bible, red words written in cursive. It all connected. We want protection, want direction. Progression is the state of mind. Poor righteous teachers, too much like right, so they kill all the leaders, kill all the babies. Defeat us in the fetus, defeat us never to leave us. You study your fashion. I will study a cleaver. I'm not European. My roots are deeper and deeper. Mind of Mandela, heart of Mike Tyson. Call upon the spirits of slaves just to write this. Hanging in trees to shot in the streets, getting shot in the back. That's backsliding. Back to back, still back with perfect timing. Back with a vengeance, back it up with some violence. No honor amongst thieves. I don't trust kings. I self divine or I, I self defeat. The, the other story in the book is called What Language Is That? It's about two best friends from two different religions who are trying to understand why their parents suddenly decide to keep them apart. Talk about how this story came about. First of all, I wanted to say this story in the city of Lagos in Nigeria. <laughs> and, and actually, it's part of Sulere in Nigeria that has very narrow streets mm. and you know story buildings and I had seen kids talking you know to each other up there oh, you know yes, across yes. the river <laughs> over my head I had seen that mm. uh, but as I was writing this story I said to myself okay I've done I've written stuff already on Nigeria let me set this somewhere else mm. I thought about North Africa I said mm, no I thought about the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. Eritrea. Mm-hmm. So I decided, let me just write, and I'll decide this later on where it should be. The day I finished the first draft, I was I finished at like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. I had to leave for New York City. I was in Michigan. I had to leave for New York City, like eight in the morning. As soon as I got to the airport, whom do I sit with on the plane? <laughs> <He's> an Ethiopian. <laughs> <laughs> so I started asking things like, how how many languages are there in Ethiopia? <laughs> Who speaks this? What's the main language? Mm-hmm. You know, what is good morning? What is yes? What is no? Did she well, like all this? <laughs> the person was like, you know, it's part of like, I'm interested in your country. Right, but yeah, I'm judging right. things down. <laughs> yeah. You know, free research. <laughs> right. You know. And then I got to, you know, to New York. I was to read at NYU. And who comes to the reading? You know, this Ethiopian, you know, wow. 
writer, oh, Maza Mengiste. Oh wow! You know, and I'm like, I'm like, what? You're from Ethiopia? <laughs> he says, yes, I'm from Ethiopia. I lived in Nigeria. I'm like, you lived in Nigeria? Said, yeah, when I was very young. Mm. So I asked more questions mm. about Ethiopia. So this is how I came to decide the story was going to be set in Ethiopia. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I finished writing the story. And then six months of the publication of the story, I woke up one morning feeling horrible that I'd never been to mm -hmm. Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I begged my publishers, please, please, please give me one month. Mm -hmm. Hold on, hold mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And uh, Little Brown was very understanding. Um, I said, okay, you go to Ethiopia for a month. So I went to Ethiopia. I went to Jimma, where I was going to set the story. And I didn't find, a st you know, story <laughs> buildings like that in Jimma. The, 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 the beautiful story buildings in Addis Ababa, okay. the streets are so wide. You yeah. couldn't have these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other cities were like that, you know, modern, you know, cities with skyscrapers. And, you know, you couldn't... I needed it to be around Jimma. Mm -hmm. So I went, I created my little city mm -hmm. near Jimma that had these sort of structures. Mm -hmm. So that's how that story came into, you know, came into being. Again, I wanted to, you know, to show that, you know, as I said, the, the rich also cries. Yeah. You yeah. know, those kids are not poor. Right. You know, yeah. they're not poor. They, they seem to have everything. Mm -hmm. And disaster can hit like that. I mean, look at what happened to to where is that place in um, Florida that you know uh, the gays were slaughtered. The other oh, time. the night that nightclub, yeah. that nightclub. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, what's the name? Oh gosh, it, it slips me right now. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people were just they're having fun. Mm -hmm. They were not poor people. Mm -hmm. You know, they thought they were secure, mm -hmm. and boom. Yeah, you know. Religious violence mm -hmm. got to them, right. you know. So things like that, you know, do you know do do happen? So it's one yeah. story I was uh, along with the Rwandese story. You know, those people are not, yeah, they're not poor. And that's what I liked about the story because there's a lot of people who've never been to Africa, mm -hmm. and the images they get from Africa are just of squalor. Everything's mm -hmm. poor. But this showed that these people did have money. Mm -hmm. You know, they were comfortable. Mm -hmm. But then, in the backdrop, it also showed how religion can just change things on the dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, they were still children. Yeah, you, yeah. You saw that it showed, you actually made the children show how, <laughs> the, it's not the right word, but if you think about it, how children-like the parents were. It was like the children were the adults in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that that was the, uh, amazing about that. that yeah, story. I, you know, I last year I was with. I went to do a reading, and at the end of the reading, a woman came to me and said, "Do you know I have just stopped my kids from talking to my <laughs> to my neighbor's children, and they want to kill me for this?" <laughs> you know. Have disrupted their friendships, mm -hmm. and they are very angry. And the other children are very angry with their parents. 
And I'm like, what happened? Why did you have to do this in America? Why did you have to do mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, she woke up to realize that uh, her husband had been sleeping with oh. the, the mother of the other. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> had to stop them mm. from... But she, she couldn't tell she this couldn't to the children. children right. You know, so these people connect to some of these stories because they can see many situations where you cannot tell the child the truth. Right. And yet you have to take to make a decision. Mm. You may go and cry, you know, under your pillow or into your pillow, but that child's life has been disrupted. story in the book is called Luxurious Hearses. It's about a teenage Muslim boy who's trying to escape ethnic violence that is ravaging his city, but in order to escape, he has to hide who he is to survive a long bus ride to safety. The, the stories show the conflicts between various faiths. Knowing that you were brought up under Christianity how were you able to empathize and write from the perspective of a Muslim boy? Muslims are people. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, some people may not always think, you know, mm-hmm. that way. Right. You know. um, if literature is going to work, it's got to go beyond propaganda. Yeah. You know, and proselytizing. Mm-hmm. If you cannot see it from the other person's perspective then it becomes very uh, difficult. In this age of ISIS and a lot of stress in the Muslim world, the Muslims themselves are suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, they're being hit by ISIS and then they're being hit by others who say, but you are Muslim. You know, you, you are responsible for this. You know, I said, it's got some kind of a double whammy to, you know, to to this. Mm. Um, so I was trying to, to, in my country, my rich and diverse country, where you actually have a lot of Muslims marrying 
Christians or mm -hmm. traditional religionists, uh, religious people. Um, it's it's a complex, real you know reality, yeah. and 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 love has a way of reaching across. Um, you have Israelis falling in love with Palis, the people of Palestine, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a boy, a girl, and you know, they figure out a way to make this, right. you know, make this work. I, I think one thing to help um, right now is that the boy, his mom was one faith and his father was the other faith, mm -hmm. and he was a product of that. Mm -hmm. So he's stuck between this conflicting wor uh, view mm -hmm. and, that, uh, and that struggle right there mm -hmm. just him trying to figure out which way to go mm -hmm. but at the same time when people didn't know who he was mm -hmm. uh, faith wise mm -hmm. they saw him as a boy right they treat him as any other boy Mm -hmm. But then when you get on the bus, everybody has all these different conflicting issues. Mm -hmm. It just showed me the microcosm yeah. of this world. Yeah, yeah. And and then when they found out what faith he was, it it just shows how people can just turn. Yeah. That 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 story was a very powerful story because, like you said, it shows how people can be loved from different faiths. But then they have to that that child, mm -hmm. and then that child is in that. Is that is that beautiful byproduct, but mm -hmm. the world doesn't understand, and they have to they have that conflict within themselves. Uh, that that was a very very massive way of doing that. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Another thing is this: what will the crowd do? Yeah. Uh, people can stir up the crowd, and they go in this direction, and then they go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And you would think they are not educated, mm. you know. Mm. You know, <laughs> I remember 2008. Barack Obama was able to move this country towards the Democrats, yeah. And the Republicans were shattered. <laughs> you remember? Yes, yeah. They, they, they were shattered. Mm -hmm. It was like this is the, the 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 death of the Republicans. Right. It's just eight years ago. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. This year, yeah. Trump has won. Mm -hmm. The Democrats are shattered. Yeah, you know, and you're like, where did he get the votes? Right. You know, look at the Republican convention, mm -hmm. and look at the Democratic convention. You know, uh, you know, the Democrats really put it together very powerfully. The Republicans, people were laughing at them. You know, everybody thought. You know, the Republicans would lose. You know, uh, at the end of all of this, as painful as it is, the Democrats have to figure out a way to talk to yeah. a lot of those people who voted for Republicans. Mm -hmm. There's no way out. There's no other way. Mm -hmm. Because it's the responsibility of those who say we are wise, we are better, we are smarter to reach out to the so-called ignorant. Mm -hmm. See, this is what Christ did. Mm -hmm. He didn't stay in heaven. He came down yeah. to live with these 
and try to convince yeah. you know them. It is something Muhammad did. Mm-hmm. This, you know, so so if if you even think you are better than another human being, it means you have to be humble. It means you have to enter into dialogue. Mm-hmm. Because if you just sit somewhere and think <laughs> people are a basket of deplorables, <laughs> you, you you know they are going to show you yeah. that they are not right. You're right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Until you are able to get them to actually accept that you know that uh, you know that they are racist nothing is going to change and you don't do that from afar you do that going near yeah. and having these heart to heart conversations no matter how tough mm-hmm. you and know you did that you did that in the story um the boy you know he was a very avowed muslim but talking to everybody on that bus he started to see people differently right and he looked like he wanted to change, but because of something with him, if it was exposed, he knew that people wouldn't accept that. And like you're saying, he he was so devout because from far away he was mm-hmm. just around his people that believed what he believed. But when he got closer in, he started to see that, hey, yeah, we kind of do have some of the same stuff. But he knew that at the same time, he was scared because he didn't know how they would react. And like you said, once they were exposed to something about him, their whole mind state about him changed. And uh, that, again, that story right there, that ending is <laughs> is another ending. I'm just like, how do you write these? You know, just just the complexities of the whole story and never knowing how it's going to end and when it does end, that ending is just so vivid. It's just incredible. Yeah, I let me confess this. I, I had locked myself a long time ago into the idea that I'm going to write tragedies mm-hmm. in this book. I see. So, you know, with that in mind, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you a an ending that will continue to evolve in your mind. Mm. So when Maisha um, leaves the house in the first story, mm-hmm. and then the brother revolts and runs away, yeah. it remains in your mind. So what happened to them? Happened? Where are they now? Mm. Okay. When this other kid jumps out of the house and leaves the little sister, yeah. You cannot, you know, you have to keep this. So what happened to the sister? Mm -hmm. And how would this guy live on with this kind of abandonment, given how much he loved the, you know, the sister, you know? So in this other story, you're like, what, you know, what is this? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so, so it's, I don't know how I how I got through the you know the whole yeah. uh, the whole collection. And at a certain point, the stories start playing on each other. Yes. You know, for example, I, the, the Ethiopian story. Yeah. I I was saying to myself, um, I need to put this in the second person. Mm. You know, for no other reason 
than the fact that I wanted this story to stand out because it's much shorter yeah. than other stories. And I was like, these other stories can just bury this one. Mm. So let me come up with another voice altogether that might give it a bit more strength. Right. And so the whole time, it's like you, mm. and you are being accused. You are being drawn into the story. You know, you, 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 you. So in that sense, the collection, when the story started playing against each other, how can I make this? stand out how can i yeah how can this be a, a, a rich family that experiences something and this mm -hmm. very poor family yeah. and this in between well that was a smart move because although it was short it wasn't watered down by any of the other stories so i think that was a smart move to do that because it really made you feel like you're in the story you are the story you will not be able to stay home brother you will not be able to plug in Turn on and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials. Because the revolution will not be televised. Because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be the revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be the revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be the revolution won't be televised. The revolution won't be televised. The revolution Now tell me why they hate my skin, mama. They wanna kill us till we end, mama. Oh, we need change, fuck a friend, mama. Oh, no. I just don't know where to begin, mama. Hey, Or maybe I do it still on my own. Ways of my destruction. Lately, I battle inner corruption. I like my yak with 21 Savage and pockets of cabbage, no interruptions. Some pussy and peace of mind can rewind me back to assumptions. Shit. I ain't here to talk about Trump. Redundancy crumbles me, rather humbling the hearts of those who worry on the future. Hope these minutes of music provide some comfort for you to use beyond what was given. I'm a black man in a white world. White lash to be right back, then it's Jim Crow when the hype swells. But the call like I'm alone on my way home, but I'm scared straight. Shit switched in a heartbeat. How much will it cost me to be civilized while I'm criminalized? I ain't running when it's minimal times. The last story of the book is called My Parents' Bedroom. It's about the Rwandan genocide and the irrational yet complex struggles that a young girl has to endure. What triggered you to write this story? When the genocide happened, I was a student at Creighton University here in the U.S. And um, it was very painful you know, to me because, you know, you're here and... You hear a lot of people saying America should have done something. Yes, America should have done something. Bill Clinton was then in power. Um, but you also hear some Americans saying, hey, it's your problem. Mm. You guys choose to kill each other. What's wrong with you? You know, they do not know the level of colonial involvement. Yeah. So you'll see that in that story, you know, yeah. the French, the Belgians, the Germans, and the Germans. You'll see that uh, the UN, the, the, the soldiers were there. Why did they not protect these right. uh, uh, pe 
people um is this sort of thing limited to africa you know germany a very christian country fried six million jews mm-hmm. you know but you'll hear people say oh africa 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 you know and to kill six million people takes a very conscious and you know you've got a plan because even if you drop the atomic bomb on six million people you wouldn't kill all of them right so this means these people really sat down strategized and you know dealt with the jews mm-hmm. christians this was a christian country mm-hmm. now this kind of thing has happened in you know in so many places so I wanted to get in there and tell this story to show step by step what could have led uh, to this yeah. from, again, from the perspective of a child, mm-hmm. the innocence of, you know, a child, uh, and try to make it work. It's very scary to do, it was very scary for me because I'm like, this is another person's country. Mm. Okay, the Hutus killed a lot of Tutsis. And a lot of Hutus who wanted to help the Tutsis. So I had to try to bring that out. And then after a while, the, the, the Tutsis hit back and wanted to, you know, to stop the situation. But it's like at some point you, you can see represent violence, like yeah. vengeance coming in. Yeah. So it was difficult for me to, to work with all of these so that people can actually or could actually see how complex something like this gets. The international community was very there, the UN. You know, they they you know they they they, yeah. they did they did nothing. So that's what I was uh, um trying to to do there are things in these stories that you know it will shock me and i i would like oh what is this i didn't think of this mm-hmm. i don't i don't think through everything before i write mm-hmm. so it took a long time before i decided to make the voices in the uh, feeling begin to talk to the girl yeah that was powerful that was yeah, really powerful it, right it's not something i knew i would do in the beginning right. But it took a long time. Mm-hmm. And my teachers at Michigan were actually like, the story is ending in a very, it's too abrupt. Mm. You know, is there no way you can, you know, drag this out a bit to help the reader? Mm-hmm. And for me, the only way I could do that was to get that conversation going yeah. between the selling people mm-hmm. and, 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 People will ask me, were you thinking of a ghost story? Uh, yeah. When I say, no. Right. It's, it's just trying to see what works. How can I move this story? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. And then you start thinking, okay, the blood on the wall. Yeah. Uh, a kid will not know what to. Right. So, so, so when I be, personally, when I begin to write, I'm dealing with this flux. And I'm thinking, how can I make life create a story out of this whatever works for me yeah and for the story yeah i shouldn't say for me but whatever works to help the structure of this story so 
fortunately or unfortunately, a ghost story, you know, comes out of some, <laughs> but, you know. but, you know, I, I when I was reading it, I was thinking, okay, since she's young and going through this situation, maybe she's starting to hear voices, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I realized, you know, because uh, within her family, one was Hutu, one was Tutsi. Yeah. And just that conflict right yeah. there was just was very very deep because you're like wow from afar from as an american you're like what's going on there why or why you, you, it, people who are a little aware understand the how deep colonialism could go but just seeing that that struggle was even within the family itself knowing that what the father had to do to his to, he he had to watch he had to watch his wife die basically mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. over something as simple as if you're hutu or tutsi yeah 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 uh that really hit home for me and knowing that she had to see this and not only that her brother had to he didn't he was so young that he just thought it was a pool of water just bounced, yeah, yeah. hopping in her blood and trying to put her skull back together it was like Wow, like there was so many levels of feeling, you know, and on top of that, just so many levels of irrationality. Yeah, yeah. All of that in there was in so potent that that was. Okay. Yeah, and the mother, you get a sense that she knew what was coming. Yeah. And at that point, she had resigned herself, and all she was asking for is take care of the children. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people, you know, many people find themselves in situations like, you know, like that when you hear of all these conflicts, uh, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do? Sometimes yeah. only one person can get out and the other person, you know, makes peace with that. Uh, it doesn't make it easier for the one who will live on Right. You know, it doesn't. How, how can you carry this in your, you know, in your heart? Yeah. Uh, but look at the strength of Monique, the narrator. You know, trying to deal with, you know, uh, with all of this. And again, I always try to make things complex. Even the the grand uncle. Who is really leading this yeah. maddening uh, crowd? Is the one who does not want the the <laughs> money to be ripped. <laughs> yeah, know. right. The one who, you know, the, because if you make all their characters completely evil, you know, it doesn't. It weakens the story. Mm-hmm. You 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 try to make people people. Let them remain complex. Yeah. They can still commit their own you know, crime. Yeah. Uh so I, I I I try to push, I try to come up with those details. Again I you know, I've done a I've written a bit of poetry. So I deploy that in the in the descriptions and I've done a bit of photography. So mm-hmm. I try to make my work very vivid. It, it plays very. into the perspective of children also because life is very vivid 
you know, for yeah. these children. They see adults as giants. That's right. And all of that. That's right. You know, that's a good point. And that definitely clicks from writing from a child's perspective. What they see is what they see mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. You, 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 it makes you like, okay, I understand the complexities of kind of what's going on in the background, but seeing mm-hmm. it from that level, it really humbles you again. Like, okay, all this stuff that we're fighting over is really silly. If you're yeah. looking at it from that perspective and yeah, how vivid yeah. it is. Yeah. We speak that confidence here on these records If God is for us, who should be against us? Don't tense up when you see these holy credentials Make mental notes, I write so hard My pen gon' soak, you tweet my bars, you gon' pay your post I came to get these black kids hope I'm in the hood winking, but you know I ain't no joke The Rock Kim, I used to sing the morning hymn Then my nigga Willie passed, now I'm mourning him But it's okay, and it's alright I'd probably take a flight to heaven if I could tonight In spite of all of the bullshit, man, we in the hood still My homie grabbed his bruise, you know I got the grill These people got to chill when they mention my name They don't know where I'm from and where I've came And I'm from Southside, yeah And all my homies doing good, 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 good And all my homies doing good, good I was wondering, what what kind of praise and criticism have you received from this book? Um, I mean, some people have said, I mean, some people like it, others um, don't. Um, I've been very lucky with the book. Uh, others, you know, there are people who think the book is too dark. Mm. Uh, it's a fair point, you know. But I didn't wake up to write um, a book full of kumbayaya, yeah. something to read on a uh, on a beach, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so I've had that. Criticism. Mm-hmm. How how are you able to explain such complex issues without bogging down the reader and affecting the narrative? Because as I was reading it, you didn't really get into the history of the struggles that were going on, but you were able to give enough. But still, it's a child perspective. A child doesn't know this history. That's yeah. So this is what I was trying to say to you. Right. You cannot sound like an eight-year-old here, and two pages down, you sound like a 50-year-old yeah. historian. Yeah. You know, uh, so you that perspective, if you pick a perspective, it frees, but it also limits you. You, yeah. you have to work within it. 
Uh, and that's what my teachers were saying. Look, you can still tell these stories without all these history. Yeah. You know, uh, forget about the... You know, one thing with writing is sometimes it's so heavy because you are hearing the voices of critics in your head uh, and you're not able to move in any direction because you want to satisfy everyone. No, just tell the, you know, tell the story and do your best, uh, make it complex, uh, create suspense and let it well, human beings are basically the same worldwide. Yeah. Uh, the culture, the context, the histories, the religions, the classes, they begin to shape uh, people. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to tell a human story, uh, you tell a human, uh, you tell a human story. Right. Uh, but it, you know, I have to say, I think I, I, you know, I have the, I, I was given the gift, but I also had to develop and develop so people can actually, you know, you can feel these kids and begin to, when you hear of all these issues out there, then you can now sit back and say, it's not as simply, you know, simplified as the, as the media. Yeah. You know, makes it you know to you know to be that. I, I think that that's right on because you know you can learn the backdrop, mm -hmm. but you pulled you're pulling the reader in into the feelings. Mm -hmm. So you get to first understand how the people feel and how much they're just like you. Mm -hmm. And then when you read the backdrop, it really brings meaning and complexity to the issue. I, you did a great job with that. I was wondering, how, how did you grow or change as a person from writing this book? Um, it's very frightening in many ways because you suddenly write this story. And in many ways, you know, there's a mystery to how this came to to be you also know that there are people who have worked harder than you and they've not been able to to write and you also know that people who have like three manuscripts in their lockers and somehow it hasn't come together for them. And then you wake up and you realize, ah, um, there are so many stories out there, and you, you've told this story now because you have the gift, and somehow it has worked for you. What about all these stories that are burning in people's hearts and they're not able to, you know, to, they're not able to bring this together so that, the, you know, the world can, you know. So it's a complex, it's a complex thing for, you know, for me who has a voice, 
and who is left out mm. you know who has a voice and who is left out and what happens when other people are left out mm. wow that's yeah. and i i, I want to get your answer about this but based on what you kind of said it kind of relates to it but i want you to talk about the title and how that relates through the book oh you you have to thank my my editor then pat strong she came up with that title oh okay and i loved it um there are many things your editor will suggest to you and you like that things they may suggest and you you say no 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 this will not work this was a clear example of something they you know she's she's uh, suggested and it and i came to, to to you know to love um my original title was fattening for gabon <laughs> because they always tell you in writing school pick a title that stands out something nobody has ever heard of before yeah so in that whole book what else could beat fattening for gabon <laughs> nothing <laughs> so that's what i i had in mind but it got it got there and they didn't like it and the contract says the title is a joint venture between the writer and the publisher. Mm. Okay. The 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 design of the book is pu- the publisher's work. Though they always brought me in. Mm. You know, mm. you know they treated me very well little brown. They always asked me what do you think of this but anyway, uh so this fattening for Gabon as a title did not fly. Uh, and nobody could really explain to me. Um, then one day, the editor in the UK, you know, pulled me aside and said, "Look, the marketers are saying this is a bad <laughs> title." I said, "What? Who are these marketers?" <laughs> they said, "Look, fattening." Nobody wants to deal with fattening in America. <laughs> yeah, in America, absolutely. One, two. Where the hell is Gabon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so they said, okay, look. Um, so that was the first time someone actually explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And it made sense. And I said to them, okay, what do you suggest? So they came up with like 20 mm. titles. And a lot of them were phrases from the stories. You know, I remember one of them was, "You beautiful, you beautiful." Yeah, which is what uh, uh, it's an an Xmas feast, uh, and it's Jigana uh, telling the sister, "You right. beautiful." Mm-hmm. Um, so they they had all of these, uh, and I looked at, uh, "Say you're one of them," you know, and that's what. I think the father tells Monique to say when they come into the, yeah, you know, when the mob comes into the, into the house. I liked it immediately because he spoke to all the stories. He sure did. You know, in the stories you don't always know who is on your side. Mm. You know, 
uh, and it's um, like um, the the good Samaritan uh, who will save your life mm. would your father would your mother you know and there's a sense of saying for instance you're one of them what would you do mm. mm-hmm. and you can also say yes affirm it say it you are one of them don't even assume you are one of them what are you gonna do so i i, I love the title and um but that's how it yeah the back the back story is interesting <laughs> but it fits perfectly yeah. as as i was reading the book i kept thinking i see how this title fits in this story how it fits there it made perfect sense because it seemed like every story was you know there's different views but from from what i thought it's people trying to fit in or how they don't fit in. Mm-hmm. It's all these complexities of people trying to get along or not get along. Mm-hmm. So say you're that, saying you're one of them makes perfect sense. Yeah, man. For a while, baby. Hey, who we do it for? We do it for the people. In the ghetto. Where? Here. Yeah. In the ghetto. In the ghetto. Silence is prayer, prayers, love, love is faith, faith is service. When I'm cutting the strings of the puppets and living the ghetto, Geppetto just always nervous. In love, we glutter the gutters and never discover our truth with purpose. And praying to vanity, it's a real profanity. Not all these swears and curses. Playing loud like Spike Lee's father, banging the drum. When we hang in the slum, the beat is knocking, the odds are never even. It's far from the garden, the Eden, the star, is robbing a diva. We bobbing and weaving the mark of the beast like Muhammad Ali. No, you're not going to keep me here. Drugs and guns all over your backpack. Got it for days when it get darker than them aloe black naps. Respect my name, I get disrespectful as backslaps. When they shoot your dog, then them alley cats go show clap back. Put holes on heads like snapbacks. But in that fact, that don't mean it's right. Yeah, it's a demon fight. Pop, he lean to right. Bullets hit his soul, he clean the life. That's just what I've seen. But I'm trying to change it too. But staying aware at the same time. See, that's what the changes do to you. What do you want the reader to mainly take away from this book? I want the reader to read the story first and hope you'll remember these stories in the in in his daily life or in her daily um mm. life. Take one look at the people you live with uh and see what you can there's always more we can do for the neighbor and that neighbor might actually be your wife your husband your children Uh, you know it's it's very subtle but do you know some parents actually have favorite kids Mm -hmm. and you know the damage that does the other kids yeah they don't say it Mm -hmm. they just say yeah 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 Mm -hmm. But many of them grow up wishing she was always the favorite one. I was nobody ever, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they grew up doing the same thing to their kids in a very blatant way. So you see, these divisions are very, you know, close to, to 
you know, to us. And the funniest thing is, St. Paul ends up saying, the things I want to do, I do not do. I end mm. up doing the things I do not want to do. Mm. So you see, once you've gotten away from race, from countries, from tribe, from family, and you actually come to yourself, you're still my my head in decision making that may not go in your favor. Mm. You know. Sometimes people have the ability, the freedom to actually choose for themselves and they still regret what they choose. <laughs> they still have to make peace mm. with themselves. You know. So it's when we see this, now we must give the the other person the benefit of the of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because you know, you you look around how are decisions made? All these people who sit in Washington DC and decide for <laughs> people in Ethiopia, people in Nigeria, you know, they probably think if we throw a dollar a lot of dollars at these people, we would solve, you know, the problem. This is how the world has been run for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Do they know these people? Do they know what they're going through? No. You know, that, you, know you, you cannot run the world. It comes back to go there, know these people, and dialogue with them. Yeah. Uh, don't just go there and make a decision after a year. Yeah. You don't know them. It's always funny to me that a lot of people who want to actually change the world for the better, they march out to Africa, mm. for example, and they start screaming at the Africans, do this, this is the revenue. Well, they'll just do it because you're screaming at them or because you pay them a salary. It doesn't mean they believe what you're actually saying. So you're not going to be successful. Yeah. Until you give them a chance to actually say, this is what we think. Mm. And that has been the way the world has been run for forever. Mm. That's why we are not you know, getting anywhere. Uh, men have been screaming at women, you know, and the women are just like looking at men. And now they are beginning to say, "Look, patriarchy is evil. Yeah. You know, give us a bit of space. What's wrong with you?" Mm-hmm. And now men are like, oh, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> well, they've been saying it forever. It's only that we were not, we were not listening. Right. You know. So I, I hope we will slow down. And it may not be let's go and help the African in Africa. There are a lot of things that need to be done in America. Mm. You know. Right. There are a lot of things. I was talking about the Republicans and the Democrats and how uh, pained the Republicans were in 2008 and now how pained the Democrats are now. You know, mm-hmm. Instead of going to, to Sudan to help someone, mm-hmm. leave your beautiful big urban city and go into the hinterlands of America mm-hmm. and have this conversation 
with your fellow Americans. Yeah. You know, just this, all that is needed. Yeah. You know, go and talk with them. They are your people. You, you share the, the same country with them. If you can't do this, how are you going to do it with someone right. who is very, you know, very, yeah. you know, very far away? Wow. And yeah. yeah, that makes sense because your stories, you're letting us into that person's mindset. And the only way to understand that is through listening, right? If you just go in thinking you know, you're not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So following, listening to the people, the, listening to to the, the, the struggles that the characters go through, mm-hmm. then you kind of start to understand what they may need. Yeah. Wow. Dash, you know, if you go to speak to someone about things very precious to you, mm-hmm. and you really go there hoping the person would listen to you, and you go and you, you begin to talk, and you notice that the person is in shock, you pack up and go. You you stop <laughs> talking. Mm-hmm, right. It shapes the way you you know. So if you start saying you know this is what he said, did you do that? <laughs> You're like oh, maybe I shouldn't tell the person more. Right. But what happens if you go, and the person doesn't judge you, mm-hmm. and just listens, and lets you say the good things you did, the mistakes you made, and you get this sense that this person has really. Listens has heard you. Yeah, you want to be heard first. Right. It's when that happens, then the person now can figure out a way to say, you know, this thing you did, that thing you did. But if you get that sense, the person has heard you and knows your issues, then people open up and can actually hear the suggestions you you know, you want to make. So I hope my stories can do this to people because now you calm down and you read without judgment Mm -hmm. and you get to know these issues better and you try to connect some of these things to your, you know, to your life. Oh, how do I make my decisions? How do I see my children? How do I see my, you know, my neighbor? And then you think of what, uh, you know, what to do. Wow. Well, again, Uwam Akpan, this is a powerful book. Um, I believe that everybody should give it a read because you realize that although you don't know, you do prejudge as a person. And reading these stories will make you step back and look at yourself and look at others differently. Uwam Akpan, thank you so for so much well, thank for coming you. on. Thank you, Tash. If you want to purchase the book or any of the music, I've included links in the show notes. Or you could just go to booksbeatsandbeyond.com. And, you know, what's cool is by clicking on the links, you support the guests, the music artists, and uh, we get a small commission, which is no extra cost to you, which we would then put toward the operations of the show. Um, and also, please click on the iTunes link to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And if you do this stuff already, just want to say thank you so much for your support. Remember, let's read, listen, explore. <laughs>